0: And I'm Kim. Welcome to
1: season three, episode eight of the Massive Fans Book Club podcast. Today we are covering chapters 29 through 32 of A Court of Wings and Ruin by Sarah J. Mass. FYI, (laughs) I know that we said today we'd be going through Chapter 33, if anybody was paying attention. But like we talked about last week, we try to group chapters in a way that makes sense. And for that to happen, Chapter 33 actually needs to be with Chapter 34, which means we will be doing 33 and 34 together as a short episode, just two chapters, because, well, we're trying to set things up for a super-duper fun episode for the High Lord meeting with a super-special guest. So... Yeah, more on that soon. But basically, to make that happen, we had to kind of do some rearranging of some chapterage in the meantime. But yes. yeah, super excited.
0: Because that's going to be, well, that's going to be a little long, but it'll be fun. It's going to be so, so much fun. fun. I'm so excited. <laughs> so before we get started, please don't forget this podcast still isn't for little ears. Nope, nope. And nope. as always, We encourage you to reach out and share your thoughts and songs and TikToks and more with us on any and all platforms. As always, we will share our socials at the end of the show and in our show notes. So, Kelsey, why don't you kick us off?
1: Okay, so in full disclosure... Uh, If anybody has, you know, just suddenly started listening and they were like, oh, okay, I'm going to start here with season three, episode eight, and I don't know anything about these people. uh, I have a wee small child and wee small child decided to basically be a monkey. The entire time I was trying to do my notes, which means instead of my very carefully, like well thought out notes that I usually take where I like type them up in a little box with like little bullet points and it's great. Um, I wrote these by hand in a notebook and now that I'm trying to read them again, they look like chicken scratch. So bear with me, friends. <laughs> I'd be like hella lucky if I can read any of this. So
0: <laughs> the joy's of motherhood.
1: Yeah. So with that, uh, chapter 29. So, things are awkward because Moore and Feyre are pretending to be sipping tea and, like, chilling. <laughs> but they're actually chaperoning. Thanks. See, Lucien and Elaine are, like, I don't know. I've decided we're just going to go with their bonding. <laughs> See what I did there? Um <laughs>
0: bonding in air quotes. Um because that's well, like other the- than bondage, but oh, oh, oh no, that's uh
1: chapter is that later in this chapter? No, I think that's <laughs> that's chapter 30.
0: <laughs> Next chapter. Dude, I don't know. Um anyway. <laughs> so
1: Lucian per last week's episode is trying to get Elaine to open up. And like, you know, we just all figure like can't hurt to try, right? And you know, sure. she did, after all, come down for tea, you know, and she's like in fact sipping it. So I mean, she's not really looking at Lucian, but hey, this is still progress.
0: <laughs> That's huge progress. The <laughs> so being so, catatonic in front of a window.
1: Right, exactly. So this is still like huge, huge steps up. If you're wondering why Nesta isn't, like, up Elaine's butt for once, it's because she's in the next room training with Amryn, and Amryn runs a pretty tight ship. <laughs> so, I don't ever
0: want to get on her bad side. I just yeah, don't.
1: Ain't that the truth? Like, I don't think, I think Amryn is, like, the parent you don't want to have teach you to drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For you know so
0: many reasons
1: yeah you know how like we all have like one parent that was like a little less worse to drive with than the other but one of them would always make you cry amarin's the one that will definitely make you cry and like potentially kick you <laughs> out of the car in the middle of a parking lot and leave you there
0: yes yeah, yeah i could see her doing that too
1: <laughs> so yeah um what amarin is doing exactly is trying to teach nesta to find holes in walls by using walls that the two of them are like mentally building and I honestly read this part like three times and then even trying to write this note, I decided that this is definitely just like a gotta be there to understand situation.
0: <laughs> I think you're right. Because I'm confused.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, I guess you just gotta be there. It makes more sense that way. <laughs> but I did like what Amron said uh, about the whole like wall building training Nesta thing. She says, not all magic was flash and glittering. So apparently that's like, you know, Amron's way of being like, everybody leave me alone. We're doing our own thing. <laughs> so cool, cool. You can hear my notes flipping, guys. We're going old school. Anyways, <laughs> sees Reese and Cassian approaching the house and she's like seeing them through the window. And so she shouts down the bond like, hey, since shit's awkward enough, like, could you guys not come in? <laughs>
0: Let's go, and- go have a drink, find a pub
1: right right and so she's like you know can you not come in and then Reese and her have like this little back and forth like down the bond and honestly I was thinking about how like this can easily be played for like really good laughs in the TV show because it involves like Reese and Feyre are talking down the bond but Reese has to keep telling Cassian what Feyre is saying so like all three of them are having a conversation but it has to be a (laughs) lot of like she said this well Cassian says this well she says (laughs) this And, like, meanwhile, she can see this whole thing going down through the window. (laughs) So I'm just saying. charades. Right. So there's a really good chance that this could be hilarious. But anyway. um, Also, like, side note, like, while they're shouting down the bond, I don't know what possesses them. But suddenly they're like, I know we were talking about all these things. But uh, now we're going to stop momentarily and discuss down the bond right this moment about which High Lords we've heard back from regarding the High Lords meeting.
0: Oh, well, sure you know. Why.
1: Not sure why this is the time or place, but whatever. Uh, the answer is dawn, day, and winter are all in. Summer is a maybe, which I think is pretty kind of Tarquin giving the circumstances.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't blame the guy.
1: Well, fair. But anyway, this convo down the bond ends with uh, well, <laughs> enjoy your tea, you overbearing chaperone. I could have used a chaperone around you, you realize. You had four of them inside this house. Six,
0: if you count the, the 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 ghosty girls.
1: Right, exactly. Which we haven't seen much of them lately, and that makes me sad.
0: Yeah, maybe they're working.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe they're actually like doing shit that matters. But <laughs> anyway, Nesta has apparently been like craning her neck to see what's going on with Elaine and Lucian because Amryn yells, "Focus!" which at first appears to frighten Elaine, who bolts up. But then it turns out that, like, she stood because Lucian, who was apologizing, startled her by tugging on the bond. Okay. Surprisingly, Elaine actually speaks. (laughs) Like, I would have thought she would have just stood up and been awkward, but she actually talks. (laughs) It felt strange. Like, you pulled on a thread tied to a rib, to which I say, ew. <laughs> like,
0: I... you wonder, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, like, I thought being bonded sounded cool till I heard this and learned that it's basically the equivalent to, like, that stitch in your side when you run a 5K after months of just doing donut runs. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Not not about that life anymore. But anyway, uh, spoke too soon, um... Elaine who suddenly was sounding like she was like with it is now sounding like she's back in crazy town because she blinks and says to Nesta twin ravens are coming one white one black and Nesta's like sure Uh, you need anything like what the fuck does that mean (laughs) and Elaine tells her sunshine which I think is hilarious (laughs) Like, she's definitely, Elaine is definitely a human potted plant.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> anyway, Moore and Feyre are like, Lucian, explain. Like, what happened? And he's like, IDK, I, like, traveled down the bond, which is, like, actually, like, a physical thing, apparently. Like, a thing that's more there than in our minds. And she freaked. And like, no, they're asking if he like sensed anything like fixable, I guess. And he's like, nah, dude, like I barely felt anything. I just like got to the other end of the bond and she was like, Wah! so, you know, that one like it went page flip
0: <laughs>
1: and Amron is like, yo, um, somebody please bring my student back because yes. Because Nesta has taken Elaine outside like she asked. So they're like, so Amon's like, for the love of God, go get Nesta. Um, but before Feyre fetches her, Lucian's like, since I have a good eye and a magic eye, I'm clearly not blind, and I can see all the High Lord letters. So um, let me guess, the few who responded are now fighting about where to meet, right? And the answer is like, a big old year. Yeah, And Lucian earns his keep, essentially, by offering to help them figure out a place that they can hold the High Lord meeting. And, like, I guess this makes sense, because I'm sure as, like, the right-hand man to Tam the Toolbag Lord, he has a lot of experience in meetings. <laughs> Not to be confused with Tim the Toolman Taylor, but Tam the Toolbag uh, <laughs> Anyway, we get a snowflake, which, by the way, is not a snowflake in the Kindle app on my phone. It's four little boxes that look like the Windows insignia.
0: <laughs> so.
1: Okay. You know, fun fact, thought I'd share. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> We're at Feyre's flying lesson. And this part, like, honestly, okay, so like the first time I read I was like, "Uh uh-huh, this is fine. And then when I went back to take notes, I was like, okay, guys, this this part lags on for a really long time. It does. And so basically, I'm just going to, like, read the parts that matter because the parts that matter are incredibly well written. The parts that matter less are just really long for reasons. So essentially, Feyre, it starts off with Feyre crashing into a tree um, because that's how this is going. <laughs> then the pages I'm skipping are basically Feyre, who like being half knocked out by the tree, then doing like a mental like previously on and telling us shit we already know.
0: <laughs> so I I'm know. just gonna
1: skip all of that.
0: She's kind of struggling.
1: Yeah, she just basically, like, chatter-chatters to herself about the mirror and the High Lord meeting and blah, blah, blah. And, like, none of it really <laughs> matters. It's all stuff we already know. So, basically, it just serves to, I think, tell us that, like, nothing has changed in the last two days. Like, in theory, that little snowflake represents two days' time has passed. Not how I personally would use a snowflake, but whatever. I Nobody asked me. Then... But- <laughs> After she, like, you know, snaps out of it a little bit, as speaks up, which, like, turns off that little inner monologue, and he verbally corrects her technique, which, by the way, guys, this is one of the words that I scribbled through, and, like, you should see, like, Tenekiku is basically what I got. But I know what I was trying to say. <laughs> Anyway, he verbally corrects her to neck to you and tells her her biggest hurdle is to learning to fly is going to be her fear of falling, to which she points out like yeah, and water is wet. So defeated, oh. she <laughs>
0: water is wet that's the same point I'm sorry clearly I have no patience for like the like what I call
1: like the training montage like I have no patience for training montages I'm like mm-hmm, sure like for tv with music I get it guys I got you but when I'm reading it I'm like guys I don't really care I get it I get it um, <laughs> anyway Defeated, she says, there's no chance that I'll be able to fly in the legions, is there? And Az admits, like, probably not. But he says, but it doesn't hurt to practice until the last possible moment. You never know when any measure of training may be useful. Now gather around, kiddies, because Papa Az is about to tell a story,
0: okay? (laughs) (laughs) Papa Az. Oh Oh, dear God.
1: I'm going to mostly read this part word for word, but it's also long as hell, so I can't really do that. But it, it, you'll it, come on story time with me and Papa Az, okay? He says, it was very hard for me to learn how to fly. Most Illyrians learn as toddlers, but I assume Rizan told you the particulars of my early childhood. Because I was so old, I had a fear of flying and did not trust my instincts. It was an embarrassment to be taught so late. Not just to me, but to all in the war camp once I arrived. But I learned, often going off by myself. Cassian, of course, found me first, mocked me, beat me to hell, and then offered to train me. Reese was there the next day. They taught me to fly. Because it was such an effort, a few years after the war, Reese brought me back a story. It was a gift, the story, for me. And he basically, this is the part that I'm going to like speed up a little bit, but long story short, he basically tells the story of Miriam and Dracon and how like, you know, okay, long story short, like Miriam, <laughs> there's some weird like biblical <laughs> lineup here. But anyway, Miriam's like trying uh-huh. to free her people. And uh, anyway, um, in doing all of this, uh, side note, Dracon's people are the Seraphim and they're also winged similar to... Illyrians, but different, because they're like feathery-winged, not bat-winged.
0: So, angelic.
1: Yes, yes. Which, like I said, you know, (laughs) Bible things going on here. But, um, anyway, long story short, there's Uh, the whole Merriman Draken story that you can read, but you know, she's trying, they're trying to like lead their people to freedom. And then they're being charged by an army. And the only way they can possibly get to the other side is if they cleave the sea itself and make a path through the water. Is this sounding familiar to anyone who went to Sunday school? Anyway, so we do this and we're trying to get all the people across. And Miriam insists on remaining behind until the last of her people has crossed. And the Seraphim have spent all of their magic trying to like hold the water back. And Draken's like in the front and he's like thinking about how like they can't hold it any longer. And he's just trusting that Miriam probably has already made it across. Like she wouldn't just like wait around to die, right? Well, too bad he missed the part where Miriam got captured and skewered by the queen herself who was chasing them. But here's the part where this all comes back to, like, why he, Reese told as this story. But a young seraphim cartographer named Nefel saw Miriam go down. Nefel's lover was one of Draken's generals, and it was she who realized Miriam and Nafel were missing. Draken was frantic, but their magic was spent, and no force in the world could hold back the sea as it barreled down, and no one could reach his mate in time. But Nafel did. Nafel, you see, was a cartographer because she'd been rejected from the Legion's fighting ranks. Her wings were too small and the right one somewhat malformed and she was slight short enough that she'd be a da- be dangerous gap in the front lines when they fought shield to shield. Draken had let her try out for the Legion as a courtesy to her lover, but Nifel failed. She could barely carry the Seraphim shield and her smaller wing hadn't been strong enough to keep up with the others. So she had made herself invaluable as a cartographer during the war. And the story continues that essentially Nifel remembers that she'd seen Miriam at the back of the line when this whole thing had gone down. And so she returns to go look for her on the shore. And Miriam tells Nafel when she gets there, like, save yourself. Like, there's no way that I'm going to make it. Like, obviously I've been stabbed. I am dying. And Nafel refuses to abandon her. So she picked her up and flew. When Reese spoke to Dracon about it years later, he still didn't have words to describe what happened. It defied all logic, all training. Nafel, who had never been strong enough to hold a seraphim shield, carried Miriam, triple the weight. And more than that, she flew. The sea was crashing down upon them, but Nefel flew like the best of the seraphim warriors. The seafloor was a labyrinth of jagged wa- rocks too narrow for the seraphim to fly through. They would tried during their escape and crashed into them. But Nefel, with her smaller wings had been one. If she had been one inch wider, she would not have fit. And more than that, Nefel soared through them. Miriam dying in her arms as fast and skilled as the greatest of seraphim. Nifel, who had been passed over, who had been forgotten, she outraced death itself. So, yeah, you gotta read the whole thing, because like I said, Papa Az does like a really good job telling the story, but it's really long. And like a lot of detail that, I gave you the moral of the story, guys. I gave you the cliff
0: notes. (laughs) You did. You did.
1: (laughs) Point is, and it's got some fun stuff in there. Like I would definitely love a Miriam Draken book, to be honest with you. Um, because I think it's a really interesting story. There's obviously like a lot there, but anyway. Um this whole thing rounds out with Reese told me the story when he returned, and since then we have privately adapted the Nefel philosophy with our own armies. We, Reese, Cass, and I will occasionally remind each other that what we think to be our greatest weakness can sometimes be our biggest strength and that the most unlikely person can alter the course of history. The Nafel philosophy. So basically, he just finishes out by saying, so we'll train Feyre until the last possible day, because we never know if just one extra hour will make the difference. And then we get a snowflake. (laughs) So uh, that was uh, story time with Papa Az uh anyway <laughs> moving on because basically Feyre is just like okay message received let's try like try again and then like I said we get another snowflake so Feyre has essentially trained her ass off and girl is hurting um yeah which actually I means when I was making my bondage jokes it is this chapter god this chapter is so long that I forgot that it was this chapter um, because it's not, it's not really long. Like, as you can see, the important parts are not taking me very much time, but, like, if you were scrolling through the pages on your Kindle, you're like, damn, like, as talked for a really long time.
0: Well, I mean, it's a great story.
1: It is, but it's just really funny because As doesn't talk.
0: I know, which it's is like why it's such a great story. So
1: he saved up all his words for this moment. <laughs> but anyway, Feyre has trained her ass off, and girl is hurting, and Reese watches her, like, limp into their bedroom and is like, told you he'd kick your ass! Um, <laughs> and even though he's, like, you know, being kind of snarky, he's already run her a bath, so, you know, we forgive him. But our poor girl, I feel for her. She hurts so bad, she can't even get in the tub.
0: <laughs> Been there. first
1: So <laughs> no Reese Poo helps her. <laughs> anyway. Um, she falls asleep in the bath, which is, like, dangerous as fuck. It is. Anyways, Reese wakes her up and lifts her out, and he carries her to the bed, and, uh, like, this is how you know where this is going, okay? Just this part of the sentence, and then you're like, oh, I, I, I see what you're putting down. Like, I pick up what you'll be putting down, because it says... He lay me down, belly first. Okay. I've got the picture. Anyway. Know think-
0: where we're going. Don't need any more info. Thanks.
1: Think about it. Um, <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. In this. fairness, in fairness, he has like Faye Gay he's got like Sal salves and all sorts of crap. Um, so presumably he's just going to like massage her sore parts. Right. But, um, Mm -hmm. like she's got a lot of sore parts and that includes her ass. So, (laughs) um, between ass massage and wing play, like, you know where this goes. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So like, I don't really got to get into it, but I will say we get one like quote out of this section that is kind of like, you know, swoony and cute or whatever he asks will it ever stop wanting you every hour every breath i don't think i can stand a thousand years of this and then he (laughs) says something funny think of how my productivity will plummet (laughs) oh Anyway, so, um, that goes, like, as you would expect, like, we know Reese, and, uh, so Reese, uh, does the selfless thing, and, uh, does his, his, his work, and then, um, she was like, okay, I'll reciprocate, and he was like, no, 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 uh, sleep, and then she says something cute, which is, I wish I had days to spend with you, like this, just me and you, and he says, we will, we will, and... That's the end of chapter twenty nine. So yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty fun chapter. I, I like it. Um, not a lot. Uh, this section that we're doing today. I mean, Kim, you've got two chapters that have some like more like action, snappy, snappy, snappiness. But like well, for yeah, the yeah, they do. But for the most part, I do sort of feel like out of a lot of the episodes, this episode is, again, one of those ones that's, like, a little bit of a bridge situation. Like, we're kind of, like, building towards things. You know what I mean? I would argue that everything. This episode is a little building. Next episode is very buildy. And then after that, we've got some, like, really big plot points back to back to back. Yeah. So this one has, like, some plot pointage. But, like, nothing compared to basically the stuff that's going to hit your ears in February.
0: (laughs) Very true. Oh, so true.
1: So, yeah. So, flipping the page. (laughs) Chapter 30. So, uh, is still dying. (laughs) She wants to rip all her body parts off and, you know... Like take a nap, uh, so she cancels on both Cass and As, and both show up more, more or less, like ready to rip her a new one. <laughs> They're like, "How dare you cancel practice?" But um, more so, that's Cass because As actually just like brings her like a nice wing salve, and uh, you know he's a nice man. <laughs> but they're both He's there like, like
0: use this it might make you feel better
1: right right i feel like cash is like hey what the hell man you canceled but i feel like as is like use this and then don't cancel on me tomorrow
0: <laughs> you know, i, I want to say it's like it's as is bringing the Illyrian version of cbd oil
1: yes yes i agree with that statement totally 100 percent agree um <laughs> Anyway, Feyre basically says to Cassian, like, yo, you know, since you're here and stuff, I thought, like, maybe you could do me a favor and you could fly Nesta to the House of Wind because she and I are going to go have sister-sister bonding time in the library and do some digging for some info. For ne-
0: for Amron.
1: Yes, for Amron. But before leaving, uh, Cass and Az nod to Elaine, who's finishing up her breakfast, because they're, like, at the breakfast table. And right on cue, she breaks her silence for another confusing newsflash. He snapped your wings, broke your bones. And they're like, um... And Feyre's like, oh, crap. Like, she's definitely talking about... Cassian and like what happened <laughs> with the king of Hybern and is like oh she's talking about what happened to Cassian and Hybern I swear I feel like I've been here and done this before and so he just says it'll take more than that to kill me and then Elaine goes no it will not well that's awkward
0: um well, that's kind of awkward there isn't it just yeah a little so then in. everybody's just
1: like crickets 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 and um uh, Fayra's like can I uh, like take you to the garden Elaine um you could like play with the herbs or something because she's like this is so uncomfortable and then Az is like I can help her and it's really cute what it says it says I can help her and Asriel, stepping to the table as Elaine silently rose, no shadows at his ear, no darkness wringing his fingers, he extended a hand. Which is super mm-hmm. cute. And, um, like I, like I pointed out before, like, arguably I understand why there are As-Elaine fans.
0: <laughs> I do too. Like,
1: I get it. Anyway, um, so he takes her out to the garden, and Cassian is like, okay, well, now that the crazy talk is out of the room, I'ma eat a muffin. And this wouldn't matter, except for the fact that he eats said muffin, and then proceeds to, like, lick his fingers, and Nesta is like, don't watch, don't watch, don't watch. (laughs) Um, Which I'm obsessed with. (laughs)
0: I am She's so not very smart sometimes.
1: Well, I'm obsessed with the idea that Nesta is like, do not get turned on by this. Do not get turned on by this. And you have to remember that the book is from Feyre's perspective, which means what is happening is, is Nesta is like, do not get turned off by turned on by this. And Feyre is like, I'm watching my sister get turned on by this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, anyway, I just think that whole little situation is kind of hilarious um now they're like okay guess it's time to go we've you know eaten the muffins and (laughs) Cassian gathers up Nesta and like he you know carries her like he do because he's gonna fly and they're off um and he calls her Ness when he's like okay come here Ness and she's like don't call me that which means you know he's gonna call her that all the fucking time now Yep. Um, like, what a failure. Like, Nesta, come on. I expected more from you. You know you can't play until this kind of nonsense.
0: Come on. That's right. Anyway. Like a 13-year-old boy.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, how have you not figured this out by now? Once at the house, Nesta does not, uh, thank her ride. And... <laughs> He just says, you're welcome, and heads off because, like you said, 13-year-old boy. And um, I do want to say, please note that he what it does, before he leaves, he does what I can only call the Pride and Prejudice Mr. Darcy hand thing <laughs> after letting go of Nesta. Oh, dear. I like this because I just wrote down Mr. Darcy hand thing. Oh, um, <laughs>
0: I know what you're talking about. I didn't, not my chapter, so I didn't highlight it. I'm where, sorry.
1: where is it? Oh, you're welcome, Cassian called after her more than a bite to his voice. His hands clenched and slackened at his sides as if he were trying to loosen the feel of her from his palms. Am I wrong? Am I wrong?
0: <laughs> no, you're not wrong.
1: <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so that made me laugh. So they're now at the library, you know, beneath the house and you know the ladies who work there the priestesses open the doors and like let them in and blah 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 and nesta doesn't say anything but she's obviously looking around and her eyeballs are like you know the size of dinner plates because she's like what the fuck because there's like so many books and so many alcoves and like dangling chandeliers and like floors and floors and floors and floors and basically you know like anybody else who likes to read for a living um would be like oh my god i've made it to the homelands oh.
0: <laughs> it's the holy grail
1: <laughs> hey kim does that come up like do we actually learn that at all in silver flames or is it just like alluded to and we're still winging it
0: we learn more about it okay
1: because like i feel like i have like from information we have it's like i can make a bunch of like fan theories in my head like why that would
0: why? Now you do learn, you, you learn about it. I mean, we still don't get Elaine's side of it all, but at least sure. we have a better feel for what happens with Nesta and why Nesta was the way she was. Um, right,
1: but do we specifically get why Nesta, like, babies Elaine, or we still have no fucking idea?
0: A little bit. Okay. I have to go back and reread it, I'll be honest. Yeah. I'm yeah. kind of... <laughs> I've been so focused on other things that while the details are there, I don't know that book as well as I know the others.
1: It's fine, it's fine, we'll get there guys. Uh, and also, like, stay, stay tuned. We have some fun stuff coming for
0: that. <laughs> well, and you know, it wouldn't be so bad, except that with that book, I you know, I've only read it, like, three times, which I know doesn't, which I know sounds like lot. People who are listening are like, she only read it three times. <laughs> Let me see. Um... Noob. But the thing is, is, since then, since then, because one time was like I read it. Then I read it on on my hardback that I got. Right. I read it on the Nook, and then I read it like by listening to it on Audible. Yeah. And the thing is, is that since then, I've read several hundred other books, and um. Really, kind of done a deep dive focus on the first three now of this series right, again. Yeah, so I'm not gonna things. lie.
1: I noticed that Details. when we got. I, I, I sorry, <laughs> guys. Fun fact: if you didn't know, it, it has occurred to us recently that you guys may not realize when we record, we are not in the same room.
0: <laughs> no, we're not. We're totally in different rooms. We're in our own houses. <laughs> on other sides of the same county, but we're in other houses.
1: Yeah, with like yeah, solid like what almost 20 miles between us. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> potentially more in the future. Um, so point is, is, uh, it occurred to us that sometimes when we're listening to other podcasts, it comes up that those hosts are in the same room and we are not. So sometimes we have no idea what the other person is saying because if all of a sudden the audio on our end craps out, we're like, nope, no idea. Talking blind.
0: Or Our screen freezes. Yeah, it's great. Like we're trying, we do try, but you know it's hard.
1: So, um, that was a little behind the scenes moment to explain why I have no idea what Kim just said. So,
0: (laughs) I love you, Kelsey.
1: anyway it's fine the point is um well, there was a point to this
0: um, <laughs> we both read a lot besides just like like we so she and I were talking about this earlier and we were she asked me how many books they did so like my goodreads did not sync up to my kindle which is irritating because they're supposed to sync together now, my Kindle said I read, what, 200 and... Yeah, two something, 80, like
1: 213 or 230 something.
0: 213 books out of yeah. 150 for the goal I set just on my Kindle. Yeah. And then, of course, there's, you know, it doesn't count my Audible or my Nook. And, you know, at that point, then you're just like, you know, we were just talking about, well, what are the top books we read last year? And, and you know, like, I had to go back and look because I've read so many and it's not... And and the thing is, is that I do actually pay attention to what I'm reading. I'm just, I'm one of those obnoxious, my friends who listen to this will know, I am, I am truly like a prolific reader and I, I inhale books. I don't read them. I inhale them. But I'm one of those people that the way I read, I pick up so much detail and absorb it the first time. It's kind of crazy. Like Kelsey and I have talked about this. Yeah. Like she's impressed. The things that I remember that I could still pull out of books that I'm like, okay, yeah, no, but that was here. And she's like, "Are you sure?" I said, "Oh, I'm positive."
1: Yeah, yeah. And the reason this comes up, like the reason, like to circle back to Silver Flames, the reason we're saying this is because, in a way, she and I remember the books better before we started deep diving. <laughs> because now that we've started deep diving, you kind of like confuse yourself a little. Because well, now, now we are constantly in a, again, this is some fun behind the scenes, guys. Um, we now have this thing where like, when we are reading, like we may be reading a set of chapters, taking notes on a set of chapters, but recording a separate set and then editing a separate set while also preparing to record with guests for a separate set of chapters, which means all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're not super confident in the order of
0: events sometimes. <laughs> it does make it a little interesting. I mean, yeah. I'm 98% certain of where I am with things. Yeah. But I've also been that obnoxious person who's always had more than one book going at any one time. Like, yeah. College, my college roommates will tell you they used to laugh at me because especially my last year both Kim and Jen would always give me a hard but yes I had a roommate named Kim in college you guys it was hysterical it was Kim and Kim that's
1: okay my best no. friend was Kelsey so it was Kelsey and Kelsey it's
0: fine <laughs> yeah you know we're, we're good like you. and um we did and so you know both of them used to tease me and and it's funny because they're both readers like I am I mean you know we, we all read and it just they were like how can you read more than one book at a time and I mean, sometimes I was reading because you have to count textbooks. Right, Of course, right. this is college. So, of course, you know, depending on the classes you're taking, you're reading books for English classes or literature classes. And then as a theater major, I was reading plays, plays and other and... things that were relatively or related to them. Like, that could be, you know, expositionary books about certain books, about certain plays we were reading. Sure, or, sure. Oh, my God. So I'd have like all this stuff in my head. My Kim in particular was always like, how the hell do you keep it all straight? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. I just do. Like my brain just kind of silos it. And I think it's because I get that movie picture in my head when I read. And so it's that. Same. I, I I think
1: that helps a lot. I have a feeling that probably people who, I mean, I could be wrong. So maybe, hey, if you're one of those people who doesn't see a movie in your head, let us know. Does it make keeping track of plots harder? Because I would think it would make it harder, but I could be wrong.
0: It's possible. So, I mean, I do, I track it and I keep it, you know, I keep, I, I keep it all together in my head. And I, I look at the, you know, I go, cause all I have to do is pick up a book and like maybe start to reread a chapter or a sentence or two of the paragraph. And I remember exactly where I am. Like I don't lose where I am because of the mental right. um, recall for the visual. So it just, it's one of those things, but you know, at the same time, I will say, After graduate school, my poor husband was just horrified that, you know, after graduate school, I didn't want to read. I I literally, I spent a couple of years, I didn't read at all. And he was just so sad about that because he was reading all the time. And he was like, well, what do you mean you don't want to read? I'm like, I don't want to read. Like, I I don't. I'm burned out on reading. I get that.
1: I stopped reading during college. And then I ended up picking it up right after I left college because then I lived I was, I had roommates, but they were never home. So I was alone a lot. <laughs> so I started reading a lot. And well, that's kind of how know, I got it, back into reading.
0: <laughs> well, you know, Once I got into grad school, I wasn't reading at all because yeah. everything I read was for grad school. Sure, and, sure. You know, I didn't, the kind of stuff I was reading, I mean, it's interesting and I love my degree. I mean, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's a lot of information yeah. you got to pile into your head. And I kind of got to the point where I was so, I had so much to read because I, they have since changed the program and now I think it's a three year program. But when I was there, it was a two year program. And I, you know, they were determined, they they were in the middle of changing the program while I was there to get a three year program. And I was like, I'm doing this in two because I'm paying out of state tuition. And, you know, like I had other things I needed to do to get back to. And so, I really, you know, I worked and I, I did my school work And I mean, I had a social life, but I wasn't, I wasn't like the book hound that I was prior to and, and since. Right. Um, But I didn't pick up reading again. Mike and I had been married for almost a year by the time I started reading again. So that was like three years. I never really read for pleasure. Yeah. Other than like a magazine. It's
1: okay. You make Neither up for it now. So yeah, basically yeah, yeah. all of all of this to say, it's really impressive that Kim remembers anything I ask her about any of these books yeah. because she reads basically a book a day. So, <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. just so everybody knows, I'm not reading like Tolkien a day. Like, there's no way I could read that, or fair, even fair. Diana Gabaldon a day. There's, I, I love Diana Gabaldon. I love my Outlander, but
1: you yeah. know,
0: I'm not reading five and six hundred pages in a day like that. Yeah. You know, I tend yeah. to read. I tend to read much lighter, easier things and it, it could stuff. be fantasy. It could be stupid, cheesy romance. It could yeah. be a Regency. It doesn't matter. It's just, I read it and it, you know, and I try to alternate what I read because it becomes palate cleansers, especially when you read like the heavier fantasies, like, like ACOTAR and right. some of these other things that I read, because I do read Diana Gabaldon. I do read Outlander and, if you've read it, you know it, you know right. exactly how heavy that is and how dense right. it is to chew through. So I do read, you know, I, I read other things to kind of become reading palate cleanser so that I can get back into what I'm trying to focus on.
1: Sure. So yeah, anyway, all of that to say, uh Kim reads a lot. I, I we started talking about Silver Flames. I don't fucking know. Nest is in a library, and she like uh Kim is like, I have found the motherland.
0: Um, <laughs> she did. She she it was like Chipot! and it, it does come back in, in Silver Flames right. how awesome it is that she's happy that there's this library there.
1: <laughs> so to the plot. Um, chapter 30. Uh <laughs> no, anyway, no, you're fine. But the point is, is uh Nesta's in the motherland. They were really getting into some points. Uh Nesta was really about to open up her, you know, uh mouth and say some stuff about feelings, and then um there's a weird like shift in the room, and something is happening and is about to be bad. Uh Nesta says, you know, what is that? And Pharaoh just says, run. So, um, they're taken off. Uh, meanwhile, Fair is trying to get Reese down the bond and there's nothing. So they're taking off. Feyre is considering grabbing her sister her sister, and like winnowing out. But it's just not, it, timing is not like working out. And essentially they get cornered right as they enter like a part of like the library that's just like nothing but like nowhere to go. And now there's just like darkness in front of them, darkness behind them to Faye step out of the darkness and she notices their coat of arms. And it says, I knew their coat of arms on the upper right shoulder. Knew their dead eyes. Hibern. Hibern was here. Please note that these two peeps, these two fay peeps, um, one dark haired, one light. Just
0: dark clothes, light clothes.
1: Anyway. So, Feybane is uh, deployed. So, well, now we're fucked. <laughs> and um, Nesta's probably well, like, "What is this shit?" Like, she's probably well, like, know,
0: "Remember, remember that happy junk through the Autumn Court that took a week?"
1: Right, right. So, and don't even, yeah, don't, don't come at me with our Feybane logic because there is none. Um, so, but all we know is that uh you know Feybane is deployed and uh is like oh fuck a duck I can tell that my magic has just gone kerplunk and Nesta's like I don't know what's happening but I can tell it ain't good because I feel weird and now they're just like well crap it and so dark hair light hair are standing there <laughs> and they're kind of doing that thing that like evil characters do where they talk too fucking much <laughs>
0: yes i've noticed that
1: (laughs) yeah they're like so easy to get into their minds as they're talking about the priestesses like getting let in so easy to get into their minds once our master led us through the wards to make them think we were scholars we planned to come for you but it seems you found us first and they're talking to nesta instead of pharaoh and (laughs) nesta who also talks too much is like who are you people She actually just says, Who are you? But I can hear in my head and has to being like, Who the hell are you people? <laughs> so there's that. And this is when you're like, Oh, it all becomes clear. One of the two says, We're the king's ravens, his far flying eyes and talons, and we've come to take you back.
0: Ravens? Does
1: that ring a bell? <laughs>
0: Elaine.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe Elaine done talked about ravens just a minute ago. Anyway, Farah um, will come to that conclusion, but like not so fast because right now she's still trying to scream down the non-existent bond using bad non-existent magic. And so she now instead of being, you know, badass Faye Fayra has to basically be normal, human-ish Fayra because she has no magic. And so she just starts relying on her, you know, like grit and intuition and says, You're not taking her anywhere.
0: <laughs> All I and, can say is, Thank God Cassian trained her.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. She's gonna have a shot in hell. I'm still like mostly immortal and I can throw a punch. And so <laughs> she's like, You're not taking her anywhere. And they say back to her. You're an unexpected prize too, but your sister, you took something from that cauldron, girl. The king wants it back. And Ferris suddenly realizes that was why the cauldron couldn't shatter the wall. Not because its power was spent, but because Nesta had stolen too much of it. And that's the end of chapter thirty because we just really don't know how chapter numbers and star snowflakes star thingies work. We just end stuff True. wherever we feel like.
0: So-, so So yeah, so we're we're yeah, we're in the library and Hibern's there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because chapter thirty one chapter thirty and thirty one, the break is dumb.
0: So <laughs> it, it, it is a weird break, I have to say. I was always like So Kim, pick
1: up mid sentence
0: and then <laughs> And then no so- and then, uh, so God bless Feyre because they're in the library. Um, yeah. They they've blown Fabian into their faces, so they've inhaled Fabian. Um Who knows how long the power the 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 magic goes away from inhaled Fabian, At least long enough to yeah. be a pain in the ass. And uh, so Feyre's you know she's got to fall back on her Illyrian training. And as she says, you know I put I put. I had three options. I laid them out before me, and I thought about them. And she's like, you know, option one is hand-to-hand combat with only a knife. They're armed with blades. Two, apiece. right? She's like, mm, I don't think that's going to work well. You know, at least if Nesta were trained, it'd be two to two,
1: right? But, but
0: mm. no. Uh, the second option is make a run for it. Try to get out of the library. But risking the lives of the priestesses above them and further trauma to them. And I don't know if that's such a hot idea either. Sure, sure. And then the third o- option is, as Nesta's talking to them, is to basically grab Nesta and run down. Because remember, there's that thing at the bottom of the library that <laughs> right. scared the ever-living shit out of Cassian.
1: Right, so sometimes you just take your chances.
0: <laughs> take your chances with the monster. Like, what's the word, you know... Of the monsters there, who's who's the worst monster? Right. I'm going to go with the, the mon. ironically, the monster you know a little bit about. Because as the high lady, you never know. She may be able to have some sway over it. Maybe not. Sure, but, sure. You know, who knows, right? She knows enough about it that she's probably safer off there. And at least if she goes down and she's buying... Reese and time to get to them, too, as right, well.
1: Right, right. She's basically at this point, like, I also feel like that's why she lets Nesta keep talking for a minute. Yeah. Because it's like, we're just trying to buy time. Like, we are yes. trying to buy time to be able to shout down the bond again.
0: <laughs> or something. Right. <clears throat> or Reese suddenly realized, oh fuck, something's very, very wrong because I don't know where she is.
1: Right, right. We're waiting yep. for anything.
0: Anything, anyone, anybody. And I think it's funny because you know Nesta, at least she tells these guys she's like, if he wants this so bad, he can come get it himself. And they're like, oh, he's too busy. (laughs) Like, what, you buddy? You're too busy. I mustn't be that important if you're too busy. Right. But Nesta basically comes back with, well, apparently you're not. (laughs) But is doing subliminal looking at her sister and she's like, you know, she's, she's trying to convey subliminally, you've got to trust me, right. follow my lead, trust me, do what I say.
1: This is the Aladdin jumping onto the uh, flying
0: carpet. You, trust, you me? trust me? <laughs> Hands up. Um, so Feyre's Favre, like, you made a mistake coming here, a grave mistake coming here to my house. They laugh because they think it's funny. Little do they know. And all she says as she goes, as she, she, she gets ready to take off is, and I hope it rips you to bloody ribbons. Which I love. now <laughs> Nesta. And instead of going up and out, they go down and away. Because remember, mm-hmm. we have that beastie at the bottom of the library. We don't know what the beastie is, but there's a beastie down there. Yep. And I love, I love how it says down into the eternal blackness of the pit at the heart of the library and into the arms of whatever lurked inside it. Personally, I ended the last chapter right there. Same. Okay. But anyway, carry on. We get a snowflake. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. Nobody asked us and they put a snowflake there and whatever. It's fine.
0: So they're going down and down and down poor nesta she's out of shape because she's sucking wind
1: <laughs> but also okay, nesta, like doesn't me it right now something... i'd be
0: sucking wind too
1: yeah like doesn't it say something too about like her stupid outfit
0: yeah because she's she's yeah she's not dressed appropriately
1: yeah she's not like wearing pants
0: <laughs> She's wearing skirts because nesta never wears pants she only wears dresses and skirts yeah yeah and she's trying to buy them time because as as Feyre says in here, time only a matter of time before one before one of those priestesses contacted Reese. So Faira does know that the the priestesses are gonna be able to get a hold of Reese in some way. One of them will be able to get Right, them.
1: right. One of them is gonna be like, Me thinks something is wrong. <laughs> Me thinks we need to call the High Lord.
0: <laughs> and she's like, But even a minute might be too late. There was no choice, none. And so they finally get down far enough that the phalites lights have stopped appearing. So now we're we're really running in the dark.
1: Right, now we're just like, this is great.
0: And of course, the the ravens being assholes that they are like, oh, not so easy is it to find your way in the dark. And I'm thinking, well, she is the high lady of the night court. I'm thinking she's probably doing better than you are, asshole.
1: Right! I thought the same thing too, because doesn't it then also say... Something about, like, yeah. it, it, like she can tell that they're, like, not as close as they seem to be acting like they are.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's like, you can't see either
0: jackass. It's really funny. So I, I like how she, she, keeps telling, she keeps telling us that no matter what, keep running. But they keep going down. And she's telling us to run. Don't stop. Just keep running. And then I guess the ravens are feeling chatty.
1: Yeah, the bad guys and always like to talk
0: too much. They do, but at least they give off good information this time. Exactly. And which, oh, by the way, can I, I I'm going to go on a mild tangent. I'm sorry, everybody, but bear with me. So, alright. Going back to this whole Celtic mythology thing. So, the Morrigan is really a death goddess. She's the goddess of... Sure, well, sure. She's the goddess of death. She... I mean, she's perceived as the harbinger of death, which is really Chiron's job in um, the Greek mythology, going, you know, he ferries the... Oh, she's like the farrier?
1: I was thinking she was like Thanatos.
0: Is it? No, I guess it is Thanatos. Yeah, Yeah, because Thanatos Thanatos is the
1: god of death, but... Because everyone always always thinks that's Hades, and it's not. He's the god of the underworld. Like, he's the king of the underworld. But he's not actually king of death. death. which Lore Olympus teaches us.
0: (laughs) I hate to say it. You can tell I'm a little tired. It's been a long week, you guys. For those of you who don't know, we've had, like, the snow from hell here. And, you know, Kelsey and I live in the same county in the same state, 20 minutes apart from each other. Well, 35, I guess. Last week, she got almost no snow on Monday, this past week. On Monday of this week. I got 12 inches.
1: Oh, no, I got about 5 or 6 inches. No, actually, that's 4. Yeah, you guys got like a foot. I got like 6 to 8 inches, but then the next day, for some reason, we ended up with like an extra 3 that nobody told us was coming.
0: (laughs) Right. And then... This morning we all got snow and I only got a couple inches, but it was really icy snow. Same,
1: same, yeah.
0: It's it was a powder snow. So anyway, it's been it's been a long week. The yeah. kids should have been back in school this week and they weren't and so I've had my kid home with me for a week. Extra, yeah. And I'm like, like
1: I've been trying like my husband and I have both been working from home and, and with the baby and yeah, so anyway, if you notice this this uh entire episode is kind of disjointed, it's because Kim and I are tired. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sleepy. It's been a long week.
1: It's been a long anyway. week. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, she's like Thanatos or something.
0: Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So my, my point is, is, we're talking about ravens. And, you know, in Celtic mythology, the Morgan her her familiar, her, her creature is the raven. Sure, sure. And the raven is a bird. The raven or the crow is seen as a bird of death. Sure. Um, especially on the battlefield, it is the harbinger of death. Yes. I mean, if you see the ravens or the crows, it's the harbinger of death. So I find it very interesting that. It's a whole in this plot case, point
1: in season three of Outlander.
0: Yes. Well, there is that. Um, anyway, I wasn't even going to go there. But, you know, we're, we're sitting here, we're doing all this, and, and these two bad guys are the ravens. So, in theory, they're supposed to be the harbingers of death, which I find is interesting in a very weird tangent. Well, yeah, it's way. interesting
1: because they're like sucking so much ass at it. But then again, our there truth teller are. doesn't fucking tell the truth. So,
0: hey, what do I know? I'm just saying. They're, yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. they're there. So, we just work here. I just, <laughs> weird, pretty much. Like, weird tangential. Sorry, guys. You can hate me for my side tangent on that later, I guess. I, I don't know. But I just thought it was really bizarre that and it really struck me this time that of all the things, they, they are the yeah. harder of death. Yeah. And yet Clara is leading them down to a beastie at the bottom of the yeah, library. Yeah, a big,
1: bad, ugly, uglier than them.
0: So, as she says, it's uh, the lesser of two evils, or the worse of them. <laughs> just depending on your point of view, right? Um, but the ravens, they're, they're just they're running their fucking mouths while they're chasing after the girls. And they're like, do you know what happened to them? The Queens, the youngest one, that pinch faced bitch went into the cauldron first, practically trampled the others to get into it after it saw what it did to you and your sister. And then Favor stops long enough. Well, it doesn't stop, but she's running. She tells Nesta, she goes, don't stop. If I go down, you run. And she's not even given us a chance to argue like she's right. telling us to you're gonna go anyway the ravens continue on and they're like but the cauldron oh it knew something had been taken from it not sentient but it knew and it was furious and when that young queen went in and then they start cracking up like cackling in a really horrible All terrible right. way And I love how it's described. They laughed as the slope leveled out and we found ourselves at the bottom of the libraries. And the raven is like, oh, it gave her immortality. It made her fae, but since something had been taken from it, the cauldron took what she valued most, her youth. The young woman went in, but a withered crone came out. And from the catacombs of my memory, Elaine's voice sounded. I saw young hands wither with age. The other queens won't go into the cauldron for terror of the same happening now. And the youngest one, oh, you should hear how she talks, Nesta Archeron. The things she wants to do to you when Highburn is done, twin ravens are coming. Elaine had known, sensed it, had tried to warn us. So I read that because one, it tells us information about what happened to the Queens. I have, I have a little bit of a theory about the old, the the youngest queen being aged as much as I think it, the, the, the cauldron took what she valued most because it was mad that Nesta had taken from it. I don't know how much of that is true. I, I question that part of me wonders if, if the cauldron is sentient enough to have at least realized that this, this queen was so an ugly on the inside that it took that which she valued most. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's a theory.
1: I get you. I get you.
0: It's my own stupid crazy theory.
1: No, you're good. We like crazy theories here.
0: We do. We do. And um, Farah, you know, it's funny because she knows she's on the very bottom of the library now. She realizes that there are ancient stacks down here, ancient, ancient books. Which, okay, if, by the way, guys, if you've read Throne of Glass, you know where I'm going. I'm having like serious Throne of Glass Selena moments. Um, y'all know the parts that I'm talking about. Um, the different, well, one the library in Adelon, but there are some other places where it's also relevant. Um, but I'm having some serious thrown a glass series moments here so if you've read it i know you'll understand and every the first time i read this because i i was like oh my god it's like reading thrown a glass they keep running into the dark and you know she's the, the the ravens are like oh we're we're bored our master's waiting for us to retrieve you and You know, was like, I'm shocked he could even muster the strength to break the wards. He seems to need a trove of magical objects to do his work for him. Which I find is true. He doesn't... It's like he relies on things and not his own power. Which makes me wonder, actually, how strong he is as a...
1: Yeah, I remember thinking that the first time I read... I was like, why do I feel like I'm just taking for everyone's word for it, that he's so strong when he does not seem that strong? But apparently
0: he is that strong, so don't think too hard. I guess. (laughs) I know. I just, it always strikes me. No, I understand. And of course, the Ravens are like, oh, well, whose spell book do you think Amarantha stole many decades ago? Who suggested the amusement of sticking the masks to Spring's faces as punishment? Another little spell. The one he burned through today to crack your wards here. Only once could it be wielded. Such a pity. And is studying the light. She can make out this really small, faint trickle of light. And she looks up and she, 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 in the dark, grabs Nesta and tells Nesta to run to the light. And she goes, I will hold them off. And Feyre's like not giving Nesta a chance to argue with her. And she's like, go. And so Nesta finally goes. She's bolting to the center of the pit, which is where the light is, and as she runs they the 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 ravens realize something has changed, and they're not sure what Fa strikes by she had found a a stack of books um one of the book stacks, and she she shoves it as hard as she can until it knocks them over and starts knocking over other ones and it kind of right. traps blocks these two. Nasty bad boys in.
1: Yeah, can't go out the way they came. Kind of a situation.
0: Exactly, but in the process, she also blocked her way out.
1: Yeah, because well, you know, shit happens.
0: Yeah, and in her mind, this whole time, favors like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Because she's trying to figure out whatever this this beastie is. You know, she'd rather take her chances with the beast.
1: Sure.
0: And. So they keep going. She still doesn't have any power. She still doesn't have any magic. She has, there's no light. And she keeps stumbling and she finally, you know, she, she, she just kind of, she stops. She realizes she's up against a, a thing, a, a stack of books. The Ravens are upset because they suddenly, they'd lost her for a moment. Mm-hmm. They didn't know where she was.
1: Yeah, like we said, for somebody who keeps talking about how they are it's not so easy to be in the dark, they're lost as shit, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they are. They're totally lost. And so Feyre says, please, I breathed into the dark, barely more than a whisper, please help me. In the distance, a boom shuddered through the ancient floor. Hi, lady of the night court, one of the ravens sang. What sort of cage shall our king build for you? A soft voice whispered in my ear. You are the high lady. The voice was both young and old, hideous and beautiful. Yes, I whispered. I could sense no body heat, detect no physical presence, but I felt it behind me. Even with my back to the shelf, I felt the mass of it lurking behind me, around me, like a shroud. Please, I breathed to the thing crouched behind me, over me. What shall you give me? Such a dangerous question. What do you want? The stone and the wind hear all, speak all. They whispered to me of your desire to wield the carver, to trade. I knew him once, long ago, before so many things crawled the earth. What is your price? Company. Send me company. I opened my mouth, but then said, to eat? <laughs> Well, I mean, fair question, right?
1: I mean, it is fair. I want... That's I think why I think it's so funny because she's just like, mm,
0: "Tell me how it really is." To eat, yeah. A laugh that made my skin crawl. To tell me of life. It's a bargain. I breathed. The skin along my left forearm tingled. The thing behind me, I could have sworn I felt it smile. Shall I kill them? P- please do. Light sputtered before me, and I blinked the blinding ball of light. I saw the twin ravens first, that light at their shoulder to illuminate me for their taking. Their attention went to me, then rose over my shoulder, my head. Absolute, unfiltered terror filled their faces at what stood behind me. Close your eyes, being purred in my ear, and I obeyed. The shrieking, the pleading, all she hears is screaming. And the next thing she knows, there are warm, rough hands on her. Cassian says, don't look. And he pulls her out. And the next thing she realizes is he's leading her way. Reese arrives. She feels him arrive. And all, fa- all he says to Cassian is, get them out. Mm-hmm. And it was just an order. It wasn't it anything. Mm-hmm. It was an order. Get yeah. them out. We ain't talking about of course, this. No, we're not. Um, and of course, the two ravens are still screaming because this critter is this little ham. Beastie or big beastie is having fun. And Reese, she, goes, she tries to go after Reese, and he literally hides himself in a plume of darkness so she can't even see. So she has nowhere to go but with Cassian. Right. The screaming stops. And in the silence, Cassian hauls her out to the center where Nesta's standing there, trembling, arms wrapped around her. And he he goes, and he he has fair in one arm, he reaches out his other arm to Nesta who, without saying anything, just kind of comes to him, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, I know, she's just like, okay. <laughs> okay, no questions, I'm going, gotta go, let's get out of here. And then it just says, we launch Skyward. Just as the screaming began anew. But the chapter ends. Yup! So that's the end of, of chapter 31.
1: Which I really I really enjoy yeah. chapter 31. I think it's fun. I think I that do. 30 and 31 are weirdly broken up, but I like them.
0: They are. And I have to say, like, I I didn't want to read quite all of it, and I was jumping through and, sure, and, sure. and Kelsey can play. I did jump through quite a bit, but I was reading the important parts because this monster response to the fact that she is the high lady mm-hmm. and when she finally calls for it it does come and I find that very interesting
1: sidebar um, I know that it's probably like way evil and scarier looking but I keep picturing Briaxis as toothless <laughs> like how to train your dragon toothless <laughs> and I think it's because it's like um, do you want me to help you do you want me to kill them yes please Okay, can I have something to eat? No. <laughs> like, whatever no. the big bad ugly is, it ain't so ugly.
0: <laughs> no, kind of friendly actually.
1: Yeah, kind of chill. So that's why I'm like, I, yeah,
0: I will it. love it and pet it and call it George. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> but anyway, chapter thirty-two explains to us so that whatever it is, it's 30. still terrifying.
0: We still don't know its name, though we do. I mean, this monster's name is Braxis. We find out in a couple yeah, chapters later. But anyway. So, chapter 32 opens, and they're in the library upstairs in the house. Yeah. The private family library in the house. And Cassie literally is handing both of these women glasses of brandy. Not little snifters. Like... Highball glasses. Right,
1: Filled right.
0: with brandy. I'm not sure what that says.
1: It says that That's that ain't so no toothless down there.
0: Exactly. And I find it funny because one of the things it says in here is, well, Nesta took it and drank hers in one gulp. <laughs> Boy. Oh. Oh. No, no thanks. It's like a way to ruin a good drink. Right. And the the scary part is is that he keeps refilling their glasses every time they finish it too, which is kind of disturbing. Yeah. And then Cassian looks at pharaoh and he's like, "Are you hurt?" Each word was clipped, brutal. He didn't ask Nesta. He must have found her first and ascertained for himself. I started, "Is the king, the city, no sign of him?" We sat in silence until Reese appeared between the open doors, shadows trailing in his wake. Blood coated his hands, but nothing else. So much blood, ruby bright in the mid morning sun, like he'd clawed through them with his bare hands. His eyes were wholly frozen with rage, but they dipped to my left arm, the sleeve filthy but still rolled up, like. A slim band of black iron around my forearm, a new tattoo now lay there. It's custom in my court for bargains to be permanently marked upon the flesh. Risa told me under the mountain, what did you give it?
1: Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, but the tattoo thing, I always think like, like how does the universe there like determine what is a bargain? and Like what is just a fucking conversation?
0: (laughs) Well, she said, she she agreed to him that it is a bargain.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I always imagine somebody, like, wandering around the streets of Volaris, like, We were just talking! Get this off of me!
0: Pretty much. <laughs> I you got to be very careful about what you say and how you say it, right?
1: Right, right. That wasn't a bargain! We were call- We were just talking it out!
0: <laughs> anyway. In case, at least Faye did say... It is a bargain to, yeah. to the monster.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying. I thought it was funny. I always think that
0: every time. Yes. I'm with you. It's okay.
1: That somebody out there in Valaris is just walking around with a bunch of tattoos because they are not eloquent speakers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Man.
1: This is the time I accidentally made a deal for a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> accidentally did not pay that cab fare and accidentally made it.
0: This was dinner last night. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. So Reese says, What did you give it? I hadn't heard that voice since that visit to the Court of Nightmares. It, it said it wanted company, someone to tell it about life. I said, Yes. And then he's like, Did you volunteer yourself? no it just said someone and it didn't specify when
1: right she's like when did you think that we sat down and wrote out this contract we were kind of in a time crunch
0: (laughs) but she was careful i mean i give her credit she was pretty careful about what she said and what she agreed to sure
1: but she's also like my man we were a little busy (laughs) It could have asked me to come and make it dinner every Tuesday, and I'd have been like, "Okay,
0: Okay, sure." (laughs) You want me to read to you? I'll come and read. Yeah,
1: bedtime stories. I'm down.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So anyway,
1: I mean, after all, (laughs) this is the same woman who agreed to come stay in a man's court for a week, a month.
0: So she could live. I know.
1: So I feel like when the chips are down, Favor is like, anything you want, I'll give it to
0: you. (laughs) What do I gotta do so that we all survive? What do I gotta do? Tell me. Yeah. So anyway. See, we're there. So Favor does ask if the Ravens are still alive. So she goes, Are the King's Ravens dead? Reese answers, they nearly were when I arrived. It left enough of their minds functioning for me to have a look and finish them when I was done. Cassian was stone-faced, glancing between Reese's bloody hands and his ice-cold eyes. But it was to my sister that my mate turned. Hyvern hunts you because of what you took from the cauldron. The queens want you dead for vengeance, for robbing them of immortality. I know Nesta's voice was hoarse. What did you take? I don't know. The words were barely more than a whisper. Even Amarin can't figure it out. And then Nesta tries to say, Well, you told me to run. And Fair's like, You're my sister. Of course. You know, like, dumbass. Of course I'm going to tell you to run. You're my sister. Nesta's like, Elaine. And Reese jumps in and says, Elaine is fine. Azrael was at the townhouse lucian is headed back and more is nearly there they know of the threat and then they get into this conversation and favors like hibern has infiltrated the city again yeah like now we do this
1: thing where we just talk about stuff that's
0: obvious apparently we learned that it was a special one-time spell that the king of hibern used to break the wards um amrin is currently at this point in time adapting them against being able to be broken by such things ever again. Sure, sure. And then she's gonna go combing through the city to make sure nobody else was left behind, like, you know, the adder type like, creatures yeah. or anybody else, right? Sure. So I guess Amran's gonna go hunting later.
1: Yeah. Amoren's gonna go like Buffy style stabba stabba. Like she's going yeah. on her nightly patrol now.
0: I don't even call that a patrol. She's going on a vengeance walk. Yeah.
1: (laughs) She's like, I'm looking for snacks.
0: (laughs) I come across it, they die.
1: (laughs) I eat you.
0: (laughs) And of course, Pharaoh's trying to get Reese to calm down. He doesn't want to calm down. And she's like, What's wrong? And he goes, What's wrong? What is wrong is that those pieces of shit got into my house and attacked my mate. What's wrong is that my own damn words worked against me and you had to make a bargain with that thing to keep yourself from being taken. What's wrong? And she's like, calm down. Amor's gonna go hunting. And, and you know, the thing is, is that Resand is having a meltdown on a temper tantrum because Highburn's ravens got into his house sure. and attacked his mate. Sure, sure. She's like, calm the fuck down
1: (laughs) right she's calling him on a shit
0: and then he's like did you see what it was that thing down there and he goes i guessed enough about it to close my eyes i only opened them when it had stepped away from their bodies cassie's skin had turned ashen he'd seen it he'd seen it again but he said nothing Yes, the king got past our defenses, I said to Reese. Yes, things went badly, but we weren't hurt. And the ravens revealed some key pieces of information. Sloppy, I realized. Reese had been sloppy in killing them. Normally, he would have kept them alive for Azrael to question, but he'd taken what he needed quickly and brutally and ended it. He'd shown more restraint about the adder. Well, we know why the cauldron doesn't work at its full strength now, I went on. We know that Nesta is more of a prior- priority for the king than I am. Reese mulled it over. Highburn shard- showed part of his hand in bringing them here. He has to have a sliver of doubt of his conquest, if he'd risk it. And then Bear was like, so how the heck did you find out that there was a problem? Right, she's it?
1: like, okay, okay, but real talk, real talk. <laughs>
0: Alright, let's, let's get away from the crazy part. How the hell did you know to come get us? And Reese is like, Plutho, there's a spelled bell inside the library. She rang it and went out to all of us. Cassian got there first.
1: So there's the equivalent of, like, the button under the desk at the bank.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> like, for all the magic in the world, that is the system.
0: <laughs> Which I at least, I find interesting. That... Yeah, there's a way to do it. There's a safety measure. So Farah was right in stalling the Ravens right. as long as she could because, yes, somebody was able to get a hold of Reese. <laughs> for some reason, as soon as I movie. was
1: thinking about like somebody hitting like the panic button, for
0: some- yes. Um, so Cassian had shown Reese what had happened when he got down there, and Reese then shows it to Feyre. And if you want to know what he saw you get to read it because I'm not going to. Reese has finally calmed down enough and he goes, alright, as long as we don't have to invite it to Solstice Dinner, I can live with it. And she's like, Fair looks at him and goes, you can live with it? Thinking, hello, I'm done with the tattoo of my
1: heart. Right, right.
0: <laughs> at least now, if one of you misbehaves, I love this. So this is his his new thing. At least now, if one of you misbehaves, I know the perfect punishment going down there to talk to that thing for an hour. <laughs> Forget Amrit. <laughs> talk to bryaxis for an hour (laughs) there's your punishment and of course nesta's response is hysterical she's like i'll take scrubbing toilets thank you (laughs) i can't see nesta scrubbing toilets so that's really funny (laughs) anyway um so they keep going and it's they they they're finally calming down. And Reese finally looks at Cassian, and he's like, "Warn whoever needs to know to stay indoors tonight. Children off the streets at sundown. None of the palaces will remain open past moonrise. Anyone on the streets faces consequences." And Fair's like, "What?" Right. And Reese is like, "Of Amron, on the hunt. We get a snowflake." So they get. In the time from Snowflake, they've left the House of Wind, and they're now in the townhouse. And they find Elaine nestled beside her. I like how they re- describe it. A too casual more. <laughs> right? Appearances must be deceiving on that one. Hmm. So there's more. And Lucian, I like this, because then she describes, because she's talking about where they all are in the part of the house. And Lucian is stationed by the front window, He's monitoring it. A sword and a dagger hung from his belt. No humor, no worth, warmth. Grace's face only fierce, grim determination. <laughs> and of course, then you get the Azrael's coming down from the roof. So you've got more Elaine, Lucian, Cassian, Resand, Feyre, and now Azrael. And of course, we all know Amaran's out. Fixing the wards wherever she has to be to do that. But apparently he right, can't right. do it from the house. And Reese is very quiet and he looks at them all and he goes, All right, so the priestesses aren't gonna say anything. They're not gonna they're to be quiet. And the people in the city won't learn why Amran is now gonna prepare to hunt. Um, and he goes, We can't afford to let the other high lords know. It would unnerve them and destabilize the image we have worked so hard to create. And Moore's like, but the attack on Valaris has already showed we're vulnerable. And It's interesting because they're like, that was a surprise attack, which we handled quickly as made sure the information came out portraying us as victors able to defeat any challenge Hibern throws our way. And apparently they're like, today is different because the first time they, we had the element of surprise of their surprise to excuse us. The second time it makes us look unprepared and vulnerable, which which I agree it does. And yeah. he doesn't want to risk anything getting out to the High Lords before the meeting coming up. Sure. Of course, then Matt so positive. She's like, oh, a war where we have no allies beyond Kier, either in Prithian or beyond it. Like, lovely. <laughs> and Elaine goes, the Queen might come. There's silence. Because hello, Elaine's doing Elaine. <laughs> right. And Ness is like, what Queen. And she's like, and Elaine goes, the one who was cursed. And then Pharaoh jumps in, cursed by the cauldron, you know, went through its tantrum after you left. And then Elaine's like, no, not that one. The other. And they're all kind of scratching their heads, like, the fuck are you talking about? But Azrael finally is being a spy master and being this intuitive guy that he is, and he goes, What other? Yeah, and Elaine's like the queen with the feathers of flame, aka the firebird. And then, of course, Lucian's like, Does she need? And Azrael's like, She doesn't need anything. Elaine is now staring at Azrael unblinkingly. We're the ones who need. And then Azrael trails off, a seer, he said, more to himself than us. The cauldron made you a seer, and that's the end of the chapter. Yes, I
1: love that it's as too. I love that it's as. That's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, guys, wait a minute.
0: And I think he had started to figure that out when he was when she had mentioned before about the the young hands withering to old and all of that, and he heard that and right, took off. Right. I think he was starting to put it together. And then you know it's sad because Pharaoh was starting to put things together, but it didn't. Yeah, click in her head that that it meant that. Elaine was a seer
1: yeah she was thinking well in fairness I'm not sure that like really like seer is like a thing that was going to occur to Feyre anyway because she's still like new to all those magical iness you know what I sure. mean so in her head so she's sure. like is that just cult like psychic I don't know you know what I mean like that's at least yeah. what would happen to me I'd be like what it's like she's psychic and it would t- wait, it would take for somebody else to be like she's a seer for me to be like oh there's a word for that
0: <laughs> true so, I mean, it just it's interesting, but at least we finally get there. And that's why I had mentioned and I read the parts where Feyre starts having those flashbacks, the things that Elaine had said. Sure, sure. Because it comes to play right here at the very end when Azriel is finally like, she's a seer.
1: Right, right. So, before we get to songs, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Kim and I were talking, preparing for this episode. And we were talking about... You know, everybody's bonding. Like I said, that's the theme of today. They're bonding. They're bonded.
0: They got bonded. And part of what what prompted this is that I was checking Facebook earlier today, and there was a post in one of the uh, Facebook groups, the Sarah J. Mass Facebook group.
1: Right.
0: This post, and I I screenshot it, and I sent it to Kelsey. Uh, The Court of Thorns and Roses series uh, Facebook, Facebook group. Good God, I can't talk. Um, And somebody posted this today, and I thought it was really interesting. She goes, I was re-listening to Akawar, came across something I missed before, just something small. It's been said that mates are usually matched as equals in some way. In the part where they find out Elaine is a seer, and Lucian decides to go find Vasa, Lucian says that his metal eye can see things others can't, spells and glamours. And then she says some other stuff that I don't want to put out there in case of spoilers, Perhaps that is why Elaine and Lucian were mated. They can both see things the others can't, and maybe that will somehow tie into a future story. I threw it out there to Kelsey and said, "Hey, this is interesting."
1: And I said, "Weird," because we're talking about all this, like you know, we could, like I said, we we were like, "Oh, all this bonding, bonding, blah, blah, blah." And so then I was like, "Um, okay, fun. Okay, I like this concept. I like what this person is saying." So then I said, "Okay, but here's the thing." I understand that that is how this, in theory, this bond thing works, right? So, like, the oh. cauldron's like, yeah, like, you, oh, you and you, you guys are, like, equals. We're gonna make you mates or whatever. When I said, in reality, don't we usually have that whole, like, opposites attract thing? <laughs> like, wouldn't you, in theory, if you were, like, if the cauldron was trying to make the most, like, prolific matches, wouldn't you match two people that, like, fill each other's, like... Gap. yeah <laughs> and so then, in fairness the more we talked about it the more we were like mm, okay there is some give and take there I think for the most part the you know canon mated pairs are, it works but then I said okay Wait. but let's for funsies come up with alternative <laughs> bonding matches so essentially alt pairings a la fanfics so uh if anybody has fanfics for these please point me in those directions because i'd be fascinated to know um so
0: yeah (laughs) i'm curious actually i want to know why but that's a whole different story
1: right but long story short kim and i took some time and we came up with our alt pairings for each sister So the non-candidate pairing for the sisters and brief why. And the really fun part about this is we're going to quickly tell you who we came up with and a little bit of kind of what our thinking is. And then if you want to read more about it, you're going to go read a blog post that we're going to drop on our website later this week, because we're going to start doing that, guys, because we just have so much to say.
0: We do and much as we appreciate you wanting to listen to us you know we figure you can go read further things on something that we might talk about that interests you and you don't have to listen to it sure
1: so um, real quick we're going to run through our uh, sisters and uh, yeah so I am really proud I'm going to put a little asterisk down at the bottom Um, I sort of painted myself into a corner I'm really proud of like two of these and then the third one I am not at all
0: (laughs) Well, you're going to go first, so knock yourself out.
1: Okay, am I going to go first? Okay, okay, Nesta. This is the one I am most proud of. Oh boy, Nesta. I decided should be with As, and here's why. So Nesta is like a lone wolf, but because she chooses to be that way, she doesn't need to be. She just has decided she is one. Like She's got two fucking sisters, but she's just like, nah. And so she she made herself a quote unquote lone wolf versus as is actually like fucking that's what happened to him when he was a child. He just fucking was a lone wolf and then was like, oh my God, I don't fucking have to be right. Right. So opposite. Then, like, she's very, like, I'm smart, but I'm also snappy and loud. And he's like, I am more, like, like, I am more, like, emotionally intelligent with my listening and my quietness. So, like, she does the talkie, he does the listening. (laughs) Which my note actually says, Nesta can't shut the fuck up, as can. (laughs) Jazz only shut the fuck up, is basically what my note says. Um, and then this is the actual reason why I decided that, like, this would be the one that I'm most proud of. Okay, are you ready, Kim? Yes. I am most proud <laughs> because I decided that, I mean, I haven't read Silver Flames, but, I mean, God, the internet has told me that everything there is to know about Silver Flames, right? So if, mm-hmm. you know, we know the spicy level of – um silver flames and the only thing I could think that would be more fun than reading about Cassian and Nesta would be the fact that I'm pretty sure that there is only one man on the planet who could all of a sudden out of fucking nowhere dominate over Nesta and that is (laughs) Azrael. because Nesta and Cassian are really great equals but I just don't actually see that playing off
0: (laughs) okay
1: I think it'd be more fun to watch as pull it off. So there's mine. Um, (laughs) So because I did that, that meant that for Elaine, I decided to defend why Elaine would be a good match for Cassian. And I actually thought that this ended up working out kind of cute. I, I, and I think the answer is because um, (laughs) it plays on the little with big.
0: (laughs) Jeff. (laughs) Okay. So, I have to tell you, you and I have the same choice there, yeah. Elaine and Cassian.
1: Yeah. So, I was like, well, because like Elaine is like quiet and introspective and small, and Cassian's like full of life and boisterous, and like would definitely like big man keep small, teeny tiny woman safe, you know? Like, I don't know. I just yes. think it, it'd be cute.
0: <laughs> yes. So, I don't know. I, I, the thing is, is because we're not far enough along there, some, uh, there's actually somebody else who I'd really rather put with Elaine, but we're not to him yet
1: fun stuff. Um, well, okay. And now my last one, this is the one that made me laugh because I'm not really here for it. (laughs) Okay. Let me defend my thought process. I actually am a thousand percent here for it, but the problem is, is it doesn't fit the argument I'm trying to make. That I painted myself into a corner, and if I can't have Reese with Feyre, and I've already used everyone else, and I think that Tam is just too much of an asshole, I'm pretty much at this point left with Lucian. But it doesn't fit the narrative. So then I had to go down a rabbit hole, deciding if maybe Tarquin fits the narrative. But I, And I think he does, but I don't have the time to figure that out right now, which is how we decided that this had to become a blog post. <laughs> So you can read my essay on how come Feyre and Tarquin would potentially have actually been very well thought out mates in a blog post coming to our website (laughs) near you.
0: Oh boy. So, all right. As I said, you and I both picked Elaine and Cassie for basically the same reasons. Like they really are in many ways, Opposite, like well, size, but they're also like the personalities are very different.
1: Right. It's, it's to me, the Elaine Cassian pairing plays off of like very like tropey rom com,
0: like, you know, Absolutely. little quiet
1: book or big football player right, right. guy. Yeah.
0: Right. However, <laughs> I say favorite and as because we were talking about opposites. Yes. Because <laughs> of, of all of the guys, as is probably the least headstrong fair of of them and kind of the most spotted out as far as he does try to think three or four steps ahead fair but the one that i'm really proud of <laughs> is what i know you're not seeing coming at all
1: i'm here for it. i am so ready please enlighten me
0: nesta and war
1: Was like, am I breaking the rules of this fun game if I use more? No.
0: No, we're not breaking any rules. It doesn't say who they're mated with. We know for a fact that that same-sex mates are not uncommon. It's true.
1: I love it. I'm obsessed with it. So.
0: And so why do I say yes to more? Yes,
1: please. Let's
0: see. (laughs) Let me count the ways. Uh, We'll talk about the fact that nesta cannot stand her yes um more more likes to go shopping and and likes to do all that and she's very chatty and the whole bit nesta's like the most emotionally closed off person there yes and she doesn't like to do the sherry thing and she doesn't like to do the i've got a girlfriend let's go hang out kind of type thing like nesta's just she's a cold fish
1: i love it <laughs> i'm obsessed with it
0: and then then you have more
1: Oh my God. Little Miss
0: Touchy Feely, people person, life of the party. Yeah. yeah. I also
1: a thousand percent believe that both of them would kick ass if somebody gave the other one a hard time.
0: I agree. I agree.
1: Okay. But, I know yeah. there has to be. There might be. I don't know. There has to be because it's too. I have of. no idea. There has to be. I
0: have, I have no idea.
1: People. I implore you. <laughs> <laughs> Point me in the direction of your more nest of I on fix
0: <laughs> Anyway. Yes, I will put all my thoughts into to words.
1: Also, I have a bonus it, one it that gosh. I'm going to put in my in my blog post that we didn't discuss here that okay? I, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, <laughs> you do that.
1: So anyway, like we said, check out our website, uh, like later this week, and uh, we'll yep. post about it on social when it happens too. Um, so just keep an eye out. So with that Kim,
0: mm-hmm.
1: tell us about some songs. songs. <laughs> I have some songs. You got some songs.
0: I have some songs. So I had a little bit of fun with this. So you know we have some. Interesting things that happen. Like it's a weird little bridgey, interesting thing section. So the first song is Something So Strong by Crowded House. And it's literally when Lucian and Elaine are having tea and he pulls on the bond. Sure. Because it just, it kind of shows that it is the bond is there. It is a strong bond, whether people want to deal with it or not it, it's right. there um, the next one I picked is a song called Cruel Sister it's by a group called the Medieval Babes um, I knew them I actually found out about them before Ren Fair, but they have since performed at the Maryland Renaissance Festival nice. they're awesome <laughs> um, but I've known about them before that. Side Some bar. friends of mine took me to see them in concert. They're awesome. Side yes. Sidebar:
1: Kim and I went down a rabbit hole this week, and there is an adorable series about. It's like a rom-com romance book thing series, and it has to do with Ren Fair. And anyway, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. You can actually see it in our stories. It was my current read when we posted in our our stories on Instagram. So. Yeah.
0: Anyway. I read it and my current read, basically, in, within two days of each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I read it in two days and thought I did a great job. Kim read it in one night. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Arion, Kim, song number three.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, let me explain why I picked Cruel Sister first. Oh, right, right. I picked it because of when Thera and Esther are having their little convo in the library. Uh-huh. About why well, why why was Nesta such a bitch to Feyre? <laughs>
1: right, right.
0: And then it gets interrupted. Song three is the is is night vision by Lindsay Sterling. I love Lindsay Sterling. She's yes. an amazing violinist. Anyway, I picked that because of all the visions that Elaine has and and Fair starts piecing things together uh while they're in the the base, the 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 basement of the library, basically. Right. And then, um, again, it comes back in play at the very end of, of uh, thirty two when As calls her a seer. But you know, night vision meaning in this case, I'm doing a little bit of a strong stretch of play here where you know, Elaine is, um, in the night court and she is a seer, so she's having visions. So, take it as you please. I still like it. I think it's appropriate. Um, I like it Song 4 is The Voice by Celtic Woman and it's specifically when Briaxis starts talking to Feyre in the bottom of the library and uh, Song 5 is In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins uh, when Feyre makes the bargain with Briaxis to kill the yeah. the ravens because you know they're annoying and um yeah she'll find someone to come and chit chat with Brad exactly. at any point in time. Find him a buddy. Um yeah. Um so shout out to my BFF, Nikki, who you all heard me talk to at the beginning of no of the beginning of December. She actually came up with that one and I was like, oh, so perfect. So, yes. perfect. so um number six is a song called Animality uh by JVLA MAGA. Zip, zipe. I think that is it. I don't know. I'm very like some of these bands, like you hear the song, you really like it, and then you go and find out who's playing it, and you're like, oh my God. And you're like,
1: why? Okay. Why? Why can't your name be Bob?
0: <laughs> yeah. So I can if say I that. Else, I'm <laughs> so sorry, you guys. I feel horrible. I do try. Um, And it's basically, you know, Briaxis being the monster that Briaxis is, with right. the Ravens being, you know, their animal side. And the last song is No Mercy by Zayd Wolf. When Rhesus and Briaxis take care of the ravens and make them go bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> those, are, those are the songs. I love it. I love it.
1: And like I said, please, for the love of God, share your song picks, but really find me uh, more Nesta fanfics. Uh- <laughs> And then tell me about them by reaching us in all the places. <laughs> See what I did? Uh, website, massivefansbookclub.com. Facebook at Massive Fans Book Club and Podcast. Twitter at Massive Podcast. Instagram at Massive Fans Podcast. Pinterest at Massive Fans. TikTok at Massive Fan Pod. Yeah, that's all the places. Find me uh, uh Morgan Nesta fanfic. I feel like specifically out there has to be... Nesta more fanfic, where maybe because it's like you know we don't we don't really know Moore's deal yet, like where we're talking about, and truthfully, I have to I argue that nobody fucking knows Moore's deal, I don't think more knows more's deal,
0: no more does not know more's deal, so
1: but that do know know sexuality
0: deal. is pretty fluid in in this book, yeah, so, i mean, so remember when when both men and women were hitting on Reese at the bar. Right,
1: right. So with that logic, I'm just I'm just taking a stab in the dark. We all I just believe that somewhere out there is more Nesta fanfic where at the end Cassian's like I'm okay with this.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cuz I mean, you said they're opposite and the most opposite person in the entire Night Court is more yeah so anyway
1: stuff. i'm just saying i feel like that exists okay um till our blog post but really till uh uh next episode guys um okay right. bye.